Hello again, Jess here. Welcome to a very special month of the podcast. Now, those of you who've been around for a while might remember last year, I believe it was in July, I ran the Making It Pod Course, which was a daily pod course here on the show. And I've decided to revamp this in a way because it's such awesome content that I want to reshare it with you. But I've changed the format slightly. So what I've done is I've actually taken those daily lessons and condensed them into weekly shows like this one today. This is the first of four episodes in the uh, revamped Making It pod course. So each uh, week I will be basically replaying all of the lessons from that week's content and I've just put them all together in one podcast for you, which makes it a lot easier for you to just sit and listen your way through them. And uh, if you're in the Thriver Circle, I'm going to make them available for download as well. So you can go grab them over there if you're a member. So just FYI, during this, you may hear me, you know, say things like today, or I might reference the time that it was when I originally recorded it. I've tried to edit that stuff out as much as possible, but I think there's probably still a little bit of that in here. So just be aware that, you know, each lesson was published on a different day previously, and that's why it's structured the way it is. I actually think if you really want to get the most out of this, it will behoove you to pause at times and um, <clears throat> and make notes and perhaps go do other workshops or other uh, listen to other episodes. Of course, at any time you can just pause the episode, listen to something else and come back again. So I just really want to, wanted to make this pod course more accessible and easy to listen to in one hit. And that's why I'm, I'm, I've kind of repackaged it in this way. Now, originally what we did is I had a uh, weekly summary document with all of the action steps for the week that was available via email. And I'm going to do that again. So if you're not already on the Create and Thrive email updates list, head on over to either createandthrive.com and just put yourself Put your email in any email box you find there, or you can head on over to makingitpodcourse.com and pop your email in there, and I will send you that summary with the action steps each week during September 2019, which is when I'm replaying this. So I am really excited to share this with you as well, uh, because yeah, I was listening through when I was editing it and I was like, ah, oh, I love, I love this content. I love, uh, the structure of it. Just having these little lessons, like each one of these will be numerous lessons put together and it's a really nice way of learning. So I hope you enjoy it, uh, in this format. Let me know what you think. So are you ready? Let's get started with week one of the free making it pod course. Hey there, Maker. Welcome to the Making It Pod course. I'm your teacher, Jess Van Den, and I'm going to be doing a little intro today to let you know what it's all about and how everything is going to work over the next 30 days. So yes, it is a 30-day course. I'm going to be doing four weeks of classes, seven lessons for every module, and those modules are going to be on mindset, money, marketing, and business management. I just want to share a quote, and this is something I'm going to be doing throughout the course. I've asked my community to give me their feedback on these four topics and the things that they're struggling with. So I've got a quote here today from Cassandra Pons of Lazy Girl Lingerie, and she says, my biggest struggle with mindset is indecisiveness and being negative towards my ideas, which leads me to putting them off. I talk myself out of good ideas and then months later, I'll see, see people do the idea that I was thinking of and kick myself that I just didn't trust myself and go for it. So we're going to be talking about a lot of these things and a lot of the issues in business that we face do come from mindset. And that's why I wanted to kick off first with mindset. And then of course, money, because if we're in business, we need to get a handle on money and there's a lot of stuff that comes up when we talk about money that from our you know, community and from our childhood. So we are going to dig a little bit into that and also talking about you know, self-confidence and things like that. 
Then in the third week, of course, the very important step of marketing, because no matter how beautiful your thing is, if nobody knows about it, they can't buy it. So I'm going to give you a whole bunch of tips and ideas of ways that you can utilize, uh, you know, social media and things like that to effectively market your goods. And then, of course, the last week is business management, because systems help so much to make a business run that much smoother and grow that much more effectively. I really do encourage you to keep some sort of journal or written record during this course. I understand that you might be listening to the lessons, you know, while you're working or things like that, even if you make a few notes on your phone, whatever it might be, so that you can get the most out of this. And at the end of every lesson, I'll be giving you an action step which is usually in the form of a question that will help you to get a handle on that day's topic and really apply it to yourself and your business. And if you are subscribed to the email updates, you will get a weekly course summary with all of those action steps written out for you. So if you're not already, head on over to makingitpodcourse.com, pop your email in there and you'll get that weekly summary so that you can, you know, if you don't have the time, perhaps while you're listening, you'll get that at the end of the week and you can sit down and work through that. Each lesson is going to be not too long. I'm keeping them relatively brief, five to 10 minutes so that, you know, you have the time to listen to them and you can fit them in around your no doubt already packed schedule. Uh, Just make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode. I just want to also take a moment to give you a little bit of background about me and my story. If you aren't familiar with me, if you're, you know, finding the podcast through a friend for the first time for this course, uh, I want to tell you kind of who I am, who I am to be teaching this. So my name's Jess and I have been running my own handmade business since 2008. Like a lot of people, I started it as a hobby on the side. I had a really good full-time job that allowed me quite a lot of free time. And I just discovered this enjoyment of making things with my hands. I I learned a bit of knitting, a bit of crochet, and then I found jewelry design. And I kind of got a little bit obsessed with it and I had so much stuff piling up. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with all of this? Maybe I should try selling it. And as they say, the rest is history. I discovered Etsy and I set up my shop on Etsy and I was blogging at the same time. Uh, sharing what I was learning. I was sharing my jewelry. Back in 2008, uh, blogs were the big thing. (laughs) That's how we connected. It was before, you know, we had Instagram, uh, Facebook and Twitter were really only just getting started. So blogs were how the creative community connected. And I connected with a, a bunch of really amazing people through that and through Etsy, a team on Etsy as well. And I just ran my business as a hobby, learning as I was going. I really didn't really didn't know much about business. <laughs> I didn't have any business education, so I was I was, you know, figuring it out as I went along. And then at the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, life circumstances uh, coalesced to the point where I went full time with Ethereal, my jewelry business. By the way, if you want more on this, go back and listen to episode zero of the podcast where I tell you my whole story in depth. If you're curious, there's a lot more detail there. And so I took it full time and, you know, it just kept growing and I kept learning and I just just discovered how much I loved it. I love being my own boss. I love working for myself and, you know, designing my days and my life the way that suits me. And over the next few years, I grew the business. And again, I was still te- I was still teaching or sharing what I was learning on my blog. And I got to the point where I kept getting asked the same questions over and over again from makers. You know, how did you do this thing? How did you work that out? And that's where Create and Thrive was born. So at the beginning of 2013, I launched Create and Thrive. And a few months later, my very first course, Set Up Shop, which is a 30-day course, much like this one, except it's a written course. And uh, I help makers set up a really great online shop for their handmade goods. And I still run that course. It will be running later this year if you do fancy joining me for that. 
And from then on, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff. I wrote some ebooks and created new courses and created the Thriver Circle, my membership site. And all the while, I have been and still am to this day running Ethereal, my jewelry business, every single day alongside you guys. My husband works with me in the business. He does a lot of the making now. I taught him <laughs> a few years ago uh, all of the skills, and now he does the majority of the making, which is great. Uh, it frees me up to do this and it frees me up to do the marketing and all those other business business admin sort of things. I do still make stuff. I'm still down there every week uh, making bits and pieces. So yeah, I've learned a lot over the last 10 years about how to start and grow a successful, sustainable and profitable handmade business. Uh, and I'm still doing it right now. So I really wanted to bring this course to you. It's something I've had in my mind for quite a while and I just figured it out uh, exactly how I wanted to put it all together and get it out to you and do something different on the podcast. So that's why I decided to launch making it and bring it to you as a course so that you can work through it and tackle some of the most important aspects of what it takes to have a successful business. This really, I mean, I wrote this for handmade business owners, but this stuff that I'm going to be covering kind of applies to everybody really, no matter what sort of business you're in. But I do, uh, I am coming from the perspective of a handmade business. So someone who is making stuff with their own two hands, maybe just by ourselves, or we've got one or two other people beside us because being a small business like that and being in a business where you have to make every single product, it is a special niche. You know, there are things that are different about handmade business that don't apply to other businesses like service businesses or businesses where you get your stuff um, manufactured. There are specific challenges and specific joys in the process of having a handmade business. And so that's what I'm going to be focusing on throughout this course. I hope you're as excited as I am to get started with the course. Thank you so much for being here. If you have any questions, of course, you know, hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Create and Thrive. That's the best place to get a hold of me. But if you do want more in-depth support, uh, that's what the Thriver Circle is all about. I really hope you find this course incredibly valuable and it helps you to move forward with confidence and clarity and that it really helps you to make it in the world of handmade business. Lesson one, facing fear. Welcome everyone. This is a big episode and a beginning of a big week. We're going to be talking all this week about everything mindset. There's a whole bunch of stuff to unpack and dig into in this week. And I put this first because really it comes first. Our mindset affects everything we do. And without a strong mindset, we struggle to make progress in life and in business. I've done a lot of work on this myself over the years. For those who don't know, I struggle off and on with severe anxiety. And it's something that I've done a lot of work on in my own life and on myself to make sure that I keep it at bay and keep my mind and my body happy and healthy. Thankfully, I'm right now in an awesome place and most of the time I am, but sometimes these things just hit you out of nowhere and you have to figure out how to deal with them. But the stronger we get and the more we get skilled with understanding how our mind works and how we can make sure that we are actually doing the right things to contribute to positivity and keeping our mental health in a good place the better things will be. So this week, I'm going to talk a lot about all of these sorts of things. And I'm also going to be sharing, of course, quotes from the community. One from an anonymous source is this. Is it worth it? Can it really be profitable? I don't want to be like others in this craft arena. And I also have general self-doubt, like, can I do this? I think you'll probably find you've thought those same things I know I have over the years. And a lot of this really comes down to fear, facing the fears that come up over and over again in our minds when we think about stepping out 
and putting our work out there in the world. It's really hard and it can be really scary to create something and then give it to the world and say, here it is, here I am, I have ripped my heart open and created this thing and I'm putting it out there for you to not only judge but decide if you're willing to give me money for it. It can be really vulnerable and we have a lot of fear that comes up around this process. Fears like the fear of failure is an obvious one, but also the fear of success. A lot of people actually have a fear of success, of being seen, of being recognized, of what will happen to my life if this actually does work. Uh, You know, the fear of change is another one. If things are comfortable, if you kind of like the status quo and you like things the way they are, what will it mean to shake up my life and create this new thing and go in a new direction? I know for me, uh, I never, never, ever intended on having a handmade business. I never intended to be a jewelry maker. Um, You know, I was in science and then I became a teacher and it really came out of left field for me and I struggled with this idea of who I was like I had this idea in my head of the sort of person I was and the work I was supposed to do in the world and making jewelry really did not fit into my conception of myself and my self-worth and I had to do a lot of work around that and you know realize that what I was doing was a valuable and good thing and of course now I also dove into teaching because I keep coming back to it really is my thing it's the thing I love most is teaching and sharing so you know we all have fears that arise in ourselves as we go and you can have contradictory fears you can fear failure and fear success at the same time and uh, you know it can make us feel a bit crazy at times but all of these things come up in our minds and I think the really important thing here is to tease out and recognize the difference between a realistic or genuine fear and an unrealistic one. You know, there might be things that you are generally fearful of that may have an impact on you, but there's a lot of stuff and I would probably hazard to guess most of the fears you have are really from that place of worry and stress rather than a really fear that's really founded in actual reality. (laughs) So we need to learn the difference between those. Something to remember is business is a risk. It is a risk. You know, anything that we start in life that we invest our time or energy or our money into is risky and it is a challenge. And you can let your fear stop you or you can dig into it find the root cause of it and try to overcome that fear. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more in a future lesson about courage and how we can do that. But for today, I just want to start by getting you to think about this question. And your action step for today is this. What is it that you fear? I want you to get honest with yourself and dig deep about this question. What is it that you fear when it comes to your business? Do you fear doing the wrong thing? Do you fear success? Do you fear failure? Do you fear someone stealing your work? What is it that you fear? And it can be more than one thing, obviously. So I want you to really think about the fears that you have, get honest with yourself and write them down and get clarity around what those fears are. Because like anything, you know, by bringing it to the light, we can face it and work on overcoming the fear because fear is your enemy it is the thing that is going to hold you back and stop you from trying and experimenting and failing because you will fail trust me I can tell you right now in a lot of ways you will make mistakes and you will fail and you need to really face that and be okay with that and understand that that's normal it is absolutely normal part of business everybody fails everybody makes mistakes it's how you deal with those failures and mistakes that makes all the difference and remember you're not alone in your fears everybody has fears the difference between someone who doesn't succeed or doesn't even start and someone who does 
is facing those fears. So today, I want you to work out what those fears are, write them down, so we can work on, over the next week, facing those fears and hopefully overcoming them and allowing you to move forward in confidence. If you want more education on this topic, go listen to episode 128 of this podcast, the Create and Thrive podcast. It's an episode called The Fears We All Face, and I go into much more detail about the different fears that you may be facing as a handmade business owner and some steps to overcome them. Lesson two, expectations versus reality. So we usually begin our small business journey driven by our love for what we do. And quite often as our business begins to grow, we start to butt our heads up against the expectations we harbor about what we should be doing, what our business should be doing, how our work should make us feel. I really dislike the word should. (laughs) I think it limits us and makes us feel really bad about things. So let's Make a movement to get rid of should, shall we? Basically, we come up against expectations. And these might be unconscious expectations or they might be goals that we've set. So consciously chosen expectations for where we're going to be in a month's time, six months time, 12 months time, how many sales I'm going to make. And the unconscious expectations, you know, might be about what you're going to be spending your time doing, how many hours a week it's going to take you to get the work done that you've set yourself to do, Um, you know, that you're going to love what you're doing all the time. Those might be some unconscious expectations that you don't even realize you have until you start coming up against them and realizing they might not be true. When we come up against these expectations, we need to start countering them with the reality of the situation. If you know me for a while, you know I'm very much a pragmatist and a realist, and I think it's incredibly important to uh, be honest with ourselves and be realistic about our business. You know, there's a lot of uh, positivity rah-rah out there, which is not bad in and of itself. But the idea that there are no challenges and no struggles and that everything is wonderful is, I think, damaging because we all are going to face challenges and struggles and things will probably take longer than we think they're going to take and will fail more than we perhaps thought we were going to fail. And we start feeling bad about ourselves because we see all these amazing people out there who are you know, who look successful from the outside and we start to wonder what's wrong with us. Why are we not in that place? Why aren't we that successful? So the reality is that it's hard work. Having a handmade business, a successful handmade business takes time and it's hard work. And there's only a very few, very, very few small percentage of people who figure it out quickly and make themselves a success quickly. For most people, it takes years. It did for me and for most people I know, it took years of committed work, showing up every day, moving forward to reach the point of success. And I think it's important that you know that because if you are in that beginning phase, you might have an unrealistic expectation about how long it's going to take or how much work it's going to take or how much time it's going to take in order to create the business that you have been dreaming of. Because these unrealistic expectations can really fill us with disappointment or a feeling of defeat if things aren't going the way we imagine that they should. (laughs) You know, it doesn't do any of us any favors to stick our heads in the sand and ignore the reality of what running a small handmade business is truly like. You know, it's not all sitting around dreaming up beautiful things and making them. That's what it's like when it's a hobby. When it's a business, it's a whole different ball game. You have to start thinking about your customers. You have to start doing all of the work on the business. You have to, you know, learn about websites and sales and marketing and administration and bookkeeping and all of this stuff that's going to take up a huge amount of your time and energy. And you won't have as much time to sit around dreaming up stuff and making things as perhaps you thought you might have. 
And that's a big challenging hurdle that a lot of us come up against when we decide to start a business. So here's some, you know, a quick summary of a couple of expectations you might have found. Uh, The expectation that you'll get everything on your to-do list done. The expectation that you're going to have enough time to do what you want to do. The expectation that once your business has reached a level of success, there will never be a dry spell. Or perhaps the expectation that you will get to spend all day doing what you love. And those are all, for most of us, unrealistic expectations. There are a lot more, obviously. But today I just wanted you to think about this idea of what are some conscious or perhaps unconscious, and the unconscious ones I think are more important, Uh, expectations that you might be carrying around about what it's like to start and grow a successful handmade business. And then when it comes to setting conscious expectations, which we often call goals, making sure that you're setting goals that are realistic. I love this system of having a three-pronged goal. So you have uh, kind of the absolute bare base minimum that you would be sort of kind of happy with then you have you know what you really want that middle goal and then you have a spot that's often called a stretch goal or a big audacious goal that's like way beyond what you think is realistic but wow it'd be pretty freaking amazing if that goal came to be and by having this kind of three levels of goals in your goal setting you can you know, you, you're not going to get super disappointed if you don't reach that stretch goal. And if you do reach the first goal, then you should be really proud of yourself. If you reach the second and third, that's cause for celebration. And being honest with yourself about the things like how much time you have, how much energy you have, and when your energy ebbs and flows, you know, don't try to do deep creative work when you're, t- when you're super tired or uh, distracted working out the flow of your days when can you do certain work well when can you not do certain work how long is it going to take you to get this design finished photographed up in your shop how long is it going to take you to get to the point where you make x amount of dollars a day from your business that doesn't mean you shouldn't dream and dream big you absolutely should because having a vision for what you want is so so important and i'll talk about that in a couple of days but having that big dream and big vision tempered by the reality of what it's like to run a handmade business is an important combination to ensure that you don't continually come up against these unrealistic expectations and the negative feelings that come along with them. So your action step for today is to ask yourself, what unrealistic expectations have you been harboring about your business? Take the time to dig deep and think about uh, what might I be unconsciously putting on myself? What pressures and expectations might I be putting on myself and on any external factors that I haven't really brought to light, but that are negatively impacting my ability to make progress? And again, I want you to write them down so that you can bring them into the light, focus on them and overcome them. If you want more on this Go and listen to episode 66 of the Create and Thrive podcast, which is an episode also called Expectations versus Reality. And I go into a lot more detail about a few of uh, a few of the other expectations you might be harboring and more detail about overcoming those as well. Lesson three, the pitfalls of perfectionism. Today, we're going to be talking about that old bugbear, perfectionism. I am a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) And uh, if this is something that you have found getting in your way, I hope you'll enjoy this lesson today. I've got a couple of quotes for this one. Uh, Sally Ann Richards from Sally Ann So says, I worry that my work isn't good enough to charge this much money for. That if someone is paying that much, then every stitch has to be precise. It's my personal struggle My strength is the absolute perfection of my work. Certain customers have said that it's better than John Lewis and Laura Ashley. But it's also my curse because I won't let it out of the door if I'm not happy with it, which means it usually takes me far longer than I quoted for. And Tony from Gift a Little Boulder said, 
I've got approximately 40 pictures of stone art completed and ready to go, but they're sitting pretty in my house for my family and dog to admire on a daily basis. Why aren't I putting them out there? I'm stuck in a mindset that I have to have my Etsy shop perfect, which will never happen, that I'm not ready, that I should change descriptions, etc., 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 and this carries on from week to week. Does that sound familiar? Yes. There is such an issue with perfectionism and only putting things out there if we feel like they're perfect. But of course, nothing is ever perfect, is it? Really. It can be brilliant and it can be wonderful, but perfection is a little bit of a curse on all of us because if we're waiting until things are perfect to start, we'll never start. I think many people have problems dealing with the idea of perfection and it can often scare us into not doing anything at all. This fear stops us from doing so many things. It's from starting a business, launching a new product, putting that Instagram post up. I mean, the amount of time I've spent obsessing about my Instagram feed is ridiculous, really. Telling people what we do and the list goes on. Perfection, it's not something you can hold on to. Though you may experience a perfect moment, it's never lasting. Nothing is. And aiming for perfection will always fail. It's better to aim for excellence. And in some cases, it's actually okay to just aim for good enough, especially in the beginning. You know, if you're just starting out or you're in those first few years, which I count as starting out, and your photos aren't perfect or your voice has not been clarified or your keywords aren't perfect, just do it anyway. Just put it out there because if it's sitting on your hard drive or, you know, your product is sitting around your house, no one's going to be able to buy it. No one's even going to know about it because you haven't put it out there. And, you know, as I said in lesson one, putting stuff out there is scary because you're making yourself and your something you've created it, vulnerable to, you know, the world and other people's feedback. But if you're always waiting to reach perfection, you'll never find it and you'll never be satisfied. You know, it's a constant fear that we all have that people will discover that we are a fraud, otherwise known as imposter syndrome. Who are we to be doing this? Who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be sitting here and teaching you about this? Who am I to be selling, uh, selling silver wedding rings to people all over the world? Who am I? Well, I'm the person who's put years and years and years of work and practice and, you know, sweat and tears <laughs> and successes and failures into the process. And I'm guessing that that's you too. And if it isn't, if you literally are just beginning from scratch, then that's okay too, because you'll learn and grow as you go. Everybody suffers from this at times. Everybody feels imposter syndrome. If you felt it, you're not alone. I felt it. Everyone I've ever spoken to has had this feeling at some stage or another in their business journey. You just have to do it anyway. It's really important not to compare yourself to others. And I know we all do. It's human nature to compare ourselves to other people. But when it comes to your business, you just need to compare yourself to yourself. That's the most powerful tool you can use for growth is looking at how far you have come I like to compare, you know, current Jess to past Jess. <laughs> what did past Jess do in this situation? How much has she learned? How far has she come? How far have I come from that person I was one year, five year, 10 years ago? It's a long way. And by doing that, by looking back and looking at how far you've come, it can really hearten you and realize how much further you can actually go. Remember that also that everybody has a different idea of excellence. So you need to work out what your idea of excellence is for your business. Then there's going to be things that you don't really care about that other people really care about. Uh, maybe, you know, Instagram's not your thing and you don't really care about how many followers you have. Don't worry about it. If it's not your thing, don't do it. Do something else that works. Focus on the things that matter to you and that work for you. And there's always a way to be successful. You just have to work out the way that works for you. 
In other words, when it comes to this, don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides, the old story. Especially with social media these days, you know, we're all showing, well, most of us are showing our best selves. And I think there's a bit more of a movement now to be a bit more vulnerable and honest, but there's still a lot of uh, of photoshopping and airbrushing and a lot of uh, false perfection on display that's not a real reflection of reality. And if you're comparing your reality to those airbrushed uh, moments, then you will feel inadequate. We all will. So it's important to focus on yourself, focus on your business. Don't get overwhelmed or disheartened or distracted by what other people are doing, especially other people in your niche. You know, if you really want to, and in your niche, it matters, it's okay to look at what your, you know, air quotes competitors are doing. Honestly, I never do. I, with my jewelry business, I never ever look at what other people are doing because I don't want to be distracted by what they're doing. I don't want to, you know, make myself feel lesser by seeing someone who's way more successful than me. And I just focus on me and doing the best job that I can. And it's enough. So your action step for this lesson is to ask yourself, what have I not been doing because I'm waiting until it's perfect. So what have you not done that you really want to do because you keep waiting for it to somehow become perfect? And there might be more than one thing, but I want you to choose kind of the burning thing. You'll know what it is. There's, there'll be something that you've wanted, been wanting to do and that you've just been holding back on because you're afraid of putting it out there because it's not perfect. And of course, my extra little challenge is to do it this week. Whatever that thing is, if it's possible, give it a crack and see what happens. If you want more on this topic, go listen to episode 58 of the Create and Thrive podcast, Why Perfection is a Dangerous Illusion. And I talk in much more depth on this topic of perfectionism and how damaging it really can be. lesson four confidence and your courage muscle so today we're talking about confidence and courage i've got a quote from the lovely rebecca stamp from eclectic mama who says ha nothing like launching a handmade business to highlight mindset issues you never even know you had my biggest issue by far has been the feeling of not being good enough I never realized I had perfectionist tendencies, and even though I've done extensive work on this, it is still there niggling away in the background. It doesn't always show up as those mean thoughts in your head. It's sneaky and shows up as procrastination, boredom, and distraction as well. I'm going to talk a little bit about about procrastination in a future lesson, but today let's talk a little bit about confidence. Oh boy, confidence. So... You know, first of all, do you think of yourself as a generally confident person? I think of myself as a generally confident person, and I've always been pretty confident. You know, I was the kid who was called bossy (laughs) when I was young because I, you know, I used to get frustrated when people were trying to decide what to do, and I would just step up and go, we're going to do it this way. And uh, so I I definitely got slapped with the bossy moniker. I prefer to think of it as um, assertive (laughs) rather than bossy. Uh, You know, that's not a word I'm a big fan of, especially as applied to little girls as opposed to little boys. So confidence. But, you know, we can be confident in some ways and totally lacking confidence in other ways. Uh, let's give you an example in my life. You know, I still remember in high school having to give a talk in front of the class. Holy moly, I absolutely loathed it. I was so scared of standing up in front of the class and talking. You know, I was, while I was happy to kind of step up and take a leadership role, at the same time, I was quite introverted and, you know, didn't really like being the center of attention. I never sought it out. So the idea of standing up in front of a class was not something I enjoyed. I used to get, you know, the racing heart and the the sweating and the nervousness. But somewhere along the line, 
you know, throughout my years of university education and then becoming a teacher, that completely flipped for me and I became really confident about speaking and actually got to the point where I really enjoy public speaking. Now, there's a caveat here. I enjoy public speaking when it's on a topic I know. (laughs) So when it's a topic that I can talk about with confidence because I come from a place of knowledge and experience, it's easy. So, you know, a lot of us are confident in the areas of life we are experienced in, areas of life that we have a lot of practice in. And we might not be so confident in those aspects of life that we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of practice in. And if you haven't ever run a business before or put your work out there for the world, that might be something that you lack confidence in because you haven't done it before. And, you know, the more you do do it, the more you put your work out there and get positive feedback and reviews and sales, you will become more and more confident about your work and also about your ability to grow a successful business. But for some of us, lack of confidence is a global problem, as in we face it in every aspect of our lives because of, you know, our upbringing or our personality, whatever it might be. Uh, often that, you know, deep lack of confidence will will come somewhere from our socialization, whether it was our family, our peer group, um, you know, an educational experience, whatever it might have been in our childhood or young adult lives that meant that we lacked confidence and it it usually came down to the messages we were receiving right about ourselves and about our ability you know I was lucky enough to have parents who always believed in me and told me that I could do anything and be anything and I internalized that I internalized that belief that I was strong enough and smart enough to cope with challenges that might come my way and do whatever I wanted to do because I could figure it out but some of us aren't that lucky And if we are in that situation as an adult, it comes down to us to try to change those messages. And now I'm no psychologist, so I'm not going to go, you know, into a lot more depth about this, but I've had a lot of experience (laughs) talking about this with other people. And I know that it is a chronic issue with a lot of people in our community um, that haven't been given that positive reinforcement that they are, they are able and they are smart enough and strong enough and they can figure it out because you can. You know, if you ever find yourself thinking, who am I to do this? As I said in an earlier lesson, who am I? Who am I to do this? Then confidence is definitely a skill that you need to work on fostering. But how do we do that? Uh, you know, I think of confidence as a sort of courage. It's a form of courage. And I think of courage as like it's a muscle the more you exercise it the stronger it gets so I like to call it your courage muscle remember courageous people are not necessarily without fear the difference is that they feel the fear and have confidence in themselves to do it anyway they believe they can and most of the time they're right conversely if you believe that you can't Most of the time, you'll probably be right about that too. So it really comes down to working on ourselves to build our courage muscle and therefore build our confidence. You've probably seen this, you know, in perhaps in yourself, perhaps in other people. If you have children or work with children, you've no doubt seen this with kids, you know, when they do something for the first time, they can often be, you know, really severely lack confidence in themselves that it's possible and that they can do it. But the more that they try and the more that they succeed, the stronger they get, the stronger they're, you know, the more courageous they get, the stronger their confidence becomes and they blossom and you can too. So today's action step is this. I want you to think about what action you can take today to build your courage muscle. I don't care how big or small this action is, just one action that something that scares you a little bit, something that you feel like you're not perhaps as confident about as you would like to be, or that you really want to be more confident about it. And I want you to do that thing. And if you're confident enough to share it, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at create and thrive and tell me what that thing was. 
or just send me a message. I'd love to know. Of course, if you're over in the Thiver Circle, come and share that with us in there. So what action can you take today to build your courage muscle? If you want to learn more about this topic, I have a workshop, a video workshop in the Thriver Circle for members, and it's called How to Challenge Negative Self-Talk and a Lack of Confidence. And I go through a whole bunch of strategies that you can use to do just that. Lesson five, overcoming overwhelm. So today I want to talk about our good old friend overwhelm. Today's quote comes from Sandra Clark of Pretty Endings, and she says, I struggle with inadequacy, sure, because I'm learning as I go. So I cut myself a break and keep going. Easy peasy, right? It's when I start breaking down the goals and the steps and all the little things that go into starting and maintaining a business, one that makes a profit because that's a big part of why I'm doing this, that the overwhelm settles in. And right on its heels, discouragement and fear pop out of the closet. I thought I'd hidden them in. What is overwhelm? I think you probably know. (laughs) I'm sure you've experienced it. It's that feeling of being swamped. Uh, Like we can no longer keep our head above the water. And when everything piles up and it's just too much. And sometimes we break because we get too overwhelmed. I think we've probably all experienced some sort of creative burnout or, you know, overwhelm, overwork in the past. And, you know, even if we don't break, sometimes when we are faced with overwhelm in a less dramatic way, we give up, whether it's for today, this week, this month, or sometimes even forever. And it's something that we all experience in different aspects of our lives, right? So where does overwhelm come from? Usually it comes from overcommitting ourselves. This is obviously in uh, relation to business I'm talking about here. Sometimes there are things in other elements, uh, other aspects of your life that are imposed upon you and they're not something that you can control and that's a whole different kettle of fish. But when it comes to overwhelm with our businesses and our work, usually it's self-inflicted because we've overcommitted ourselves. It's a lack of congruence between expectations and reality, like we talked about in an earlier lesson. And then comes overwhelm because we expect one thing, another thing happens, we feel swamped, we feel overwhelmed, and then we give up. And it's a very common problem. And we, you know, some of us do it on a regular basis. We throw our hands up in the air and say, I can't do this. And we walk away from it. Uh, Some of us do it in little ways that lead to things like procrastination, which we'll talk about in a future lesson this week. But the long and short of it is it's awful. It's an awful feeling and it's a horrible place to be in. And it's a place that we want to avoid as far as possible. I have reached a point in my business where overwhelm very, very rarely happens these days. And that's deliberate. That's because I've worked hard to design a workday and get real with my expectations about where I'm going to go and what I'm going to be able to do. And so because of all of the work I've done in many, many aspects of my business, overwhelm is something that very rarely appears in my working life these days, which is really wonderful. But I remember what it was like when overwhelm got me. I had a really big burnout um, many years ago now where I just overworked myself massively and I was getting really unhealthy because I was, you know, sitting and working for 16 hours a day. And I, you know, all these thoughts and ideas were flying at me and there were so many things I could have been doing and that I felt like I should have been doing. That old word, should. And I burnt out and had to take a break because it was just all too much. And if you haven't experienced that, I would really love to help you avoid experiencing that. So how do we overcome overwhelm? We do it by reducing our commitments by dialing back our expectations, by minimizing our to-do lists, and also by taking care of our mental and physical health so we have the strength 
to face challenges and stressful times. I'll give you a couple of examples of how I've done this in my own life and work. When it comes to to-do lists or the weekly tasks. Now, I'm fully self-employed and I've been fully self-employed since 2010. What that means is every single day is wide open for me to do whatever I want to do. Well, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Every single day is wide open for me to organize the way I want to organize it so that I get the work done that I've determined needs to be done. What does that actually look like? Well, it looks like only working about four or five hours a day and only on weekdays. Now, of course, I do little extra little bits like, you know, hanging out on Instagram, occasionally of an evening and things like that. But generally speaking, apart from that one thing, I have defined work hours. And that took me years to kind of clarify and clear on that. I don't work on weekends. I have Sundays completely offline as much as possible, uh, unless there's something happening like this course, where (laughs) I've determined that for a period of time, it's okay for me to, you know, hop on and check on things on the weekend. But normally I have Sundays off completely and I don't check emails on the weekends, things like that, putting boundaries around your working hours so that it's not always about work all the time. Uh, with my weekly planning, what I do is I sit down at the beginning of the week and I actually, I do it on a Sunday night. Oftentimes I'll sit down with a glass of wine, make it a nice experience. I'll put on my, I've got a written uh, calendar on my desk, you know, a weekly planner. And I write any appointments that I have on that and highlight them. And then I look at what tasks carried over from last week and what tasks I need to get done this week and I'll make a list of those and then I only schedule Monday and Tuesday that's it apart from like appointments that I have the only I only schedule work into Monday and Tuesday and the rest of the week I leave open that might sound a bit crazy but what it actually ends up what actually ends up happening and I did this because over years of experience I realized the reality of the situation is that Sure, I schedule Monday and Tuesday, and then oftentimes some of those tasks will take longer, and so I end up having to do them on Wednesday or maybe even Thursday. And then during the week, things come up, you know, orders come in that I have to do, uh, uh, opportunities might arise that I have to quickly deal with. So I'm leaving white space in my time, in my calendar, to deal with these things that will pop up that I can't anticipate. And so what ends up happening is I pretty much by the end of the week have ended up filling up my whole week. And of course, other jobs and other ideas pop up as well as the week progresses. So by not over committing myself, I leave enough space in my working week that generally ensures that I have pretty much everything done. And another thing I do is make time to take care of me every morning, almost every week, weekday morning. Uh, the first thing I do is I, you know, I start the day in bed and I read, I read, we'll have a cup of tea and then I'll get up and exercise. And it was funny this week because <laughs> I said to Nick at the beginning of the week, I'm going to have a really busy week. I've got to, you know, do a whole bunch of planning and recording and marketing for this podcast. And then one morning I'm, I'm down on my elliptical, which is in our garage, which is also our jewelry studio working out. And I got off and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my yoga now. And Nick was like, aren't you like super busy this week? And I'm like, yes, but you know, I have to do this to take care of me. And he's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I've determined that, you know, I need that time and I need that exercise to function at my best. And that if I skip it, I'm just doing myself a disservice. So, you know, you might have heard the old saying, the time to take a break is when you don't have time to. (laughs) That's kind of what it comes down to is making things, the things that matter, a real priority and working your life around those things. So there's lots of ways we can do this, but probably the easiest way is to remove commitments or obligations or excessive expectations upon ourselves. So your action step for this week is to ask yourself, what can you remove from your life now or in the near future that will reduce your feelings of overwhelm? So just ask yourself that. What can I remove from my life either today or this week or next week that is going to reduce overwhelm? It might be something to do with your business. You know, maybe you're trying to master three different types of social media at the same time and running yourself ragged. 
or it might be something in your wider life, something that you have committed to that in the past that perhaps doesn't serve you anymore and that you're just doing out of habit or obligation that you can let go of, whether it's obligation to someone else or to yourself. We often stay doing things because we started doing them, not necessarily because they're the right thing for us anymore. So really look at that and see what aspects of these commitments are causing you undue stress or contributing to your overwhelm that you can actually let go of. If you want more on this topic, uh, I have a workshop over in the Thriver Circle for members. It's a video workshop and it's called Strategies to Reduce Stress and Relax. You may not know this, but I'm actually a 200-hour trained yoga teacher. So I have quite a lot of experience with this whole reducing stress and relaxing thing. And I love teaching about mindfulness and yoga and other strategies that you can use. And in that workshop, I talk about those and many other strategies you can use to reduce stress and relax, which will, of course, lead to reducing overwhelm in your life as well. lesson six the pull of procrastination so today we're talking about procrastination i have been known to procrastinate (laughs) perhaps on a daily basis (laughs) not as much as i used to and uh, it's something that i think most of us come up against at one time or another aisling walsh of tear jewelry says i struggle a lot with follow-through I start all these wonderful courses or projects and get really excited about them and then I get distracted and I forget all about finishing, like completing my business plan. I know I need to do it and I've started many times. I even enjoy it and then I just stop. I also do up these great plans, stick them to my wall and never look at them again. (laughs) I'm improving a bit, but my goodness, it's a struggle. It can be a real struggle to overcome procrastination. Now, by now, I'm hoping you've listened to all the lessons this week where we've covered a whole bunch of different mindset issues that, of course, all come together in the end, don't they? But you'll have a much clearer idea by now of some of the mindset issues that are holding you back. And procrastination usually stems from these issues. And it's mostly from a lack of self-confidence or the idea that we have to love or like a task in order to do it. In other words, it's boring, so we avoid it. It's a war between your present self and your future self. So if it comes from a lack of self-confidence, it is usually a way of avoiding failure. So we see a task, it seems insurmountable or more than we can handle or we feel like we're not ready for it so we procrastinate by avoiding that task because we don't think we can actually do it right the other one is we avoid tasks that we don't like we avoid tasks that we find distasteful or boring or stressful or hard so it's a In that case, like I said, it's, you know, the present self wanting to feel good versus the future self that needs to get this thing done. (laughs) You know, you're going to have to do it eventually, but it's really hard to force yourself to do these things that you don't feel like doing in the moment because there's something else you could be doing that's much more enjoyable, right? Or even something that's not as enjoyable, but is more urgent. You know, that's where cleaning the house or for me usually I procrastinate by getting on social media or you know doing something fun like an Instagram post instead of I don't know answering a lengthy in-depth email about bookkeeping or taxes (laughs) those are the things that we avoid because they're boring and that's not really serving us is it because past Jess didn't do it current Jess is avoiding it guess what that means? It means that future Jess is going to have to do it at one stage or another. And by the time she gets around to it, it might be a little bit more stressful because she doesn't have enough time. Now, I was always that nerdy kid who got everything done at school really early. You know, when I got an assignment, I literally started it that day and made sure I had it finished, usually with a couple of days to spare. So I had time to revise it and make sure it was as good as possible because I really wanted to get top grades. A lot of people 
the opposite <laughs> and put it off and put it off until the night before and rushed it and put it together. Which one were you? So that is a form of procrastination. In short, it's a practice of carrying out less urgent tasks in preference to more urgent ones or doing more pleasurable things in place of less pleasurable ones and therefore putting off impending tasks till a later time. Now, if procrastination results in stress, a lack of productivity, guilt, or real-world consequences, it really needs to be mastered and overcome because it's not doing you any favors and it's actually causing you harm. So let's talk about a couple of strategies that you can use to potentially overcome procrastination. There's lots, but I've got a couple for you today. One is called temptation bundling. I love this. Uh, It's a concept that came out of behavioral economics research by Katie Milkman at the University of Pennsylvania. The strategy suggests that you bundle a behavior that is good for you in the long run with a behavior that feels good in the short run. (laughs) In other words, something that you might not really want to do or like doing with something that you do like to do. What's an example? Well, Only listening to your favorite podcast when you work out or watching your favorite Netflix show when you're on the exercise equipment of choice, your treadmill or whatever. Uh, The podcast is a good thing, you know, for going out walking or something, although I love walking, so that doesn't work for me. I just do it because I want to, whatever it might be. Um, Maybe do your planning if you don't enjoy planning with a nice glass of wine on a Sunday night like I do. Or have a little chocolate reward when you've done your bookkeeping. Can you tell I like food? <laughs> I love, I, I, I really try not to reward myself with food because it's really not the healthiest thing to do. But in small quantities, I think it's okay, right? We all need those things. I'm a, I'm a hedonist deep down. So whatever it might be, rewarding yourself by bundling something that you enjoy that you perhaps wouldn't reward yourself with with something that is not so fun temptation bundling give it a shot what's something i i am sure you've already thought of something that you could do (laughs) that would work this way right um and the other strategy another strategy is to make the task smaller and more achievable by breaking it down so if you've got some big looming project or task that you never start or you keep putting off before it because it just seems too big and too overwhelming the best thing to do is break it down so breaking it down into steps and then breaking those steps down into actual individual tasks and then instead of saying i've got to finish this project by this date saying okay well the first step is this and i've got two days to do it and then doing that and then moving on to the next one so it's hyper focusing on each step of the process rather than looking at the big picture because the big picture freaks you out right so that's another strategy and a third strategy you could use is making the task a habit now this is super helpful if it's something like exercise or meditation or your bookkeeping or you know responding to emails making it a habit uh, putting it in play, putting it in your life in a place where it works, and then making it a habit to come back to you on a regular basis, scheduling it in basically, and keep practicing and practicing and practicing until it's no longer something you have to force yourself to do. It's just something that's a natural part of your workflow or your life flow. And that is incredibly powerful because we are very habitual creatures. The majority of our days are run on habit unconscious action things that we've done over and over again you know brushing your teeth you always brush them the same way don't you if you're not thinking about it driving to work if you have a job or you know taking the kids to school or driving to the grocery store or walking somewhere you generally will go the same way because you're following a habitual path and habits are incredibly powerful because by turning something into a habit you don't have to continually you know use your willpower and your conscious mind to make it happen instead you encode it in your subconscious and it just becomes something you do without really thinking about it Uh, exercise for me is this it took me years (laughs) of consistent practice to until i reached the point of exercise being a habit for me it's something that i just do i don't i don't even think about it Uh, it's not like i'm like well should i exercise or should i not no I'm, i'm gonna do it Uh, And that also, for me, came down to figuring out the ways that worked for me. You know, I had to find exercise that 
one, I enjoyed and two, worked with my lifestyle. And once I did that and I cracked that, that made all the difference. So, you know, that might be a part of what you need to do as well. So action step for today, identify one task you consistently procrastinate on and figure out a strategy that you can experiment with to make it more likely to get done. So maybe you'll use one of the strategies I suggested, or maybe you'll do a little bit more research on procrastination. Google is your friend and find another strategy that works for you. But whatever it might be, just pick one thing that you consistently procrastinate about and try to work out which strategy would work for you for that task so that you actually get it done. And again, remember, this is always an experiment. If you try one and it doesn't work, well, try it again. And then try it again. And if it still doesn't work, move on and try a different strategy. But eventually, you'll find the strategy that works for you. Even if it's the, well, you know, future Jess, thinking of actually what your future self is going to feel like. (laughs) In a week's time, what will future me feel like if I have or haven't done this task? That might be enough of a kick in the backside to get it done. If you want more on this topic, go and listen to episode 45 of the Create and Thrive podcast. Uh, It's called Reactive Versus Proactive Work. And I talk a lot about this uh, contrast between reactive work and proactive work and how procrastination is involved in that. I also have a workshop in the Thriver Circle, uh, What to Do When Passion Wanes. Sometimes we procrastinate about stuff because we lose our spark or our passion for something that we once enjoyed And suddenly we don't enjoy it anymore and we don't know what to do and we find it really difficult to move forward. So that workshop is all about what to do when your passion for something wanes. And that, my friends, is week one of the Making It Pod course. I hope you enjoyed that. There are a lot of aha moments for you. Look out for week two next week. If you haven't already, of course, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you're listening to to listen to this and uh, make sure you don't miss the next lesson in the course. I would love it if you're enjoying this to, you know, share it. Please share it with your community, your followers, your friends. Take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, share it in a Facebook community you're a part of. Let them know this course is happening. This free course is happening. Uh, give them the link to makingitpodcourse.com so they can sign up and find out all about it and get those uh, weekly uh, summaries with all of the action steps in them so you can, you know, download it, save it to your device or print it out and work your way through that. Uh, to make sure you don't miss any of the takeaways of this. It is really meant to be an active course. I know it's really easy to just listen (laughs) to something like this and just go, yeah, that's a great idea, and then never go back and do the work. But I do encourage you to actually do the work. And by downloading that action step summary, it makes it a lot easier because you can just go, okay, you know, answer all these questions and I've, I've worked my way through it. So head on over to makingitpodcourse.com to get those free downloadables and take advantage of this free podcourse. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're in the Thriver Circle, come on over and share your thoughts with me and the rest of our community over there. It will be opening again later this month. So if you're not in there and you'd like to be, just keep an eye out. I'll let you know via email when membership is open again. Thanks again, everybody, and bye for now.